0: hello farmers of south africa it's me your legal buddha macy with another episode of the legal buddha macy podcast today's topic is going to be um, one that i've been avoiding for a while but um, one cannot avoid things forever so i will be talking about a controversial one an emotional one and all i can ask um, of you is to just keep an open mind hear me out remember my job is to inform you educate you and you get to do what you want to do with your business and your farm so before i get into it how are we all doing we are on alert level number two it means that we are basically all open for business now and um, we should not hopefully go back to any type of strict lockdown wine farmers you guys must be excited um, that you are back in the swing of things and you can produce and trade in your wine and um i wish you all the best i know it's been a tough time for everybody um with this COVID 19 and hopefully we're getting closer and closer to the end stay safe put on your masks um obey the laws of the country during this time and hopefully we don't get shut down again and we don't get more sick um i noticed that we are on an 80 percent um recovery rate which is really good i'm very proud to be south african that we are healing and not dying um, like we've seen in other countries so let's get into it so today i'm talking about and i'm sure you pretty much guessed it by now i'm going to talk about be so be is a difficult topic because people feel all types of way about it they feel that it's unfair they feel that it's reverse racism Um, the government just wants to take away from white people Um, and sometimes you know it could feel like it's a bit of a targeted punishment you know for the past and and all of that. I'm not going to give you any personal opinions. I'm going to give you exactly what is in the sector codes specifically um, pertaining to agriculture and you get to make up your own mind about it. Let's remember BE is not compulsory. You don't have to do it. You can run your business without ever doing any type of VE deal or compliance or, or anything like that but obviously there's consequences if you don't comply um, with it and you avoid it and we're going to get a little bit into, into what are the consequences and what it actually means. The reason why I want to talk about it is because I think given conversations I've had with my clients and you know generally the public, i don't know if people really fully understand what's actually in the legislation um in terms of of be there's many factors to it it's not all about taking ownership or or giving 40 percent of your business away um it, it's it's not quite like that and if you remember from my first episode i said to you guys that i've seen some really ridiculous uh be deals where I don't understand how a ballerina can become a farmer all of a sudden and how that deal came to be in terms of partnerships and um, where the person cannot contribute properly to the deal cannot help you grow your business at all so what is the point of that deal and i warned you against that about finding the right be partners is very very important because the idea or at least from my point of view how i understand it is that there must be uh, a mutual benefit for both parties that are involved in compliance so it must make you money must grow your business it must benefit you it cannot be a free for all as far as i understand so over the next few weeks what i'll be doing because it's a large sector code there's many parts to it i'm going to break it down over the next few weeks all the elements ownership management control um, skills development procurement all of that what does that mean how do you implement it and i'm going to give you a few ideas should you choose to decide that your business um, needs to be a little bit more compliant so let's start from the beginning who does who is affected by the agri b e sector code well it's the farmer so the actual grower of our food, our our grapes, and whatever else you're doing, the farmer is impacted by this agri-BeE and covered by it. The people that are the service providers to the farmers are covered under this BeE um, sector. The people that benefit um, agricultural products. So if you are a person that takes a fruit from the farmer and you turn it into juice and we go buy it at a daily or a restaurant or whatever you are one of the businesses that are covered by this and the fourth type of business is anyone that stores distributes um and or trades um in agricultural products you are also considered to be covered by this agri code the Agri-Code also goes far, um, further. I must just explain to you that it's called the Agri-BEE. So you've got your, your general generic amended codes of good practice, which is your general BEE legislation. But everyone has a charter, a sector um, code for themselves. And this one is called the Agri-BEE, the one that covers agriculture. So what does it do? It breaks down... And identifies three types of businesses based on how much money you make per year so what is your annual turnover if you make more than 50 million rands a year in annual turnover so not profit turnover you are considered a large enterprise if you make between 10 million rands and 50 million rands you are considered a QSE which is a qualifying small enterprise and if you make less than 10 million rands a year in annual turnover, you're considered a uh, exempt micro enterprise. This is important because this then covers which part of the Act, um, which part of the Agri-BEE, um sector code applies to you, and uh, which parts of it applies to you, and what you need to do if you choose to be, uh, be compliant or do some sort of BE deal, um, with whoever. So. Let's start with EMEs, your exempt micro um, enterprises. These guys are making less than 10 million rands a year, which means that they automatically on the scorecard are a level four. So they're exempt and they kind of don't have to do any verifications. You can get your documents from your auditor that then just confirms that you make less than 10 million rands and you're automatically a level four. I'll explain to you the different levels um, in a little bit. I just want to Explain that uh, the QSE, EME and large enterprises. If you are a QSE and you and that's the guys that are making more than ten million but less than fifty million runs a year, you are you have to comply. So there's certain things they want you to do before you can get a level four or a level three. Um and one of them is ownership and then you can also choose between you have to comply with ownership and then you must choose between um um, supply development and skills development one of the two you must comply with if you're a large enterprise you have to comply with all the elements of the the b the agri b e um sector code so what is the sort of different elements that you find on the scorecard so it's ownership ownership includes equity and land ownership management control skills development enterprise and supply development and socioeconomic development so like i just said if you're a large enterprise you have to comply with all five of these um, elements in one way or another if you're a qse you have to comply with ownership and then you must choose between skills development or enterprise and supply development and then of course if you are an eme you are exempt so automatically you are a level four um supplier and you don't actually have to to comply with any of these you can just continue on your level four now on these levels there are eight levels right? if you don't fall between the eight levels you're obviously non-compliant completely if you're level eight that's not a really great score but if you are a level one you are super happy you are fully compliant it's very difficult to get a level one and i'm going to explain why in a little bit so you need either to be a level four which means you're just fine you just made it you're okay level three level two level one you're very good level five six seven eight you're not doing so well and uh, you're not you're not very compliant and you should work on it who does the why is there a be agri be sector code and what are the objectives that they're trying to get into the most obvious one obviously is economic participation of the majority of the country majority of the country is black and obviously, given our history, they're trying to sort of fast track getting everybody economically active. Now, economic activity is important, obviously, because you can't have a minority of the the country being the ones that are paying the tax and, and doing and helping the country survive. You want everybody to be working, to be productive, contributing to tax in order for us to have a great country. And that's basically what it means. And then there's, you know, a few other objectives they put in there to empower rural and local communities um, by enabling access to um, land, infrastructure, ownership and skills. Um, and there's a few others that you can check, but I just want to sort of focus on the basic one, which is economic activity and everybody being, being um, active in the thing. So that's, that's our objectives. That is what it is for and that's what it means so when we talk about um how we do it and how do we get be compliant we can start any point of the the scorecard so you can start with the socio-economic development and say okay i'm going to see how i can benefit my immediate community um by either donating money um to uh, a cause doing some training doing some skills development there and and you're doing it and you'll get your points on socioeconomic development because you're helping your immediate community around your farm and then enterprise supplier development is the next element and here they're saying to you okay what are you doing in terms of your preferential procurement your supplier development and enterprise development so these three things are important because they they mean very different things so let's start with preferential procurement preferential procurement means that where are you getting your services from you know so who are you hiring to come and Put boreholes in are you using a black company or using a white-owned company? It's worth it if you want to um, Up your scores to look at the be scorecards of other companies that are providing you with services and say to them Okay, I need you to be compliant in order for me to be compliant So that's how you would you would tackle that part of supply development of, you know, preferentially choosing uh, more B compliant companies over ones that are completely non compliant and then in terms of supply development same thing who supplies you with things you know are you looking at a black company a BE compliant company or is it a white owned company and does that benefit you if you know that you're trying to up your your scorecard and then enterprise development can you maybe identify somebody that's a small business a small entrepreneur who you can then support by giving them some of your business and um, in terms of they they're giving you services they're providing you some sort of services and you've deli- deliberately giving them business um, training them giving them advice and whatever um, in order to develop their small enterprise so that is how you would cover enterprise and supply development by being very specific about who you work with in terms of your services and your needs in order for you to do your your business then you have skills um, development skills development is training it's quite simple. It's not a difficult one. It's how much do you train, let's say your your farm workers. How many things do you get them involved in to up their skills to to um, make them to upskill them, make them better better workers, better laborers, um, and that is <coughs> your skills development very easy to do because you can start within your own environment, which is your workers and by upskilling them computer programs learning how to uh, a different skill of cutting and and harvesting and and so on then you have your management control management control means how many people in your business in your farm are in management positions you know so do you have an hr lady that is a woman of color a, a colored woman or a black woman or a chinese woman or an indian Woman, those people are all considered to be black according to the AgriPE. So, is she your head of HR? That's a management position. Um, who's your financial officer? Is that person a person of color, a black person? Then, 100%, you've covered your management control. So, how many people do you have in management in your business, in your farm? That's how you cover that part. And then, ownership speaks for itself, so obviously. Um, how many you know you know who have you called to join you in ownership of your of your business? Whether it's equity, shareholding, or you sell a portion of your land to a black person and you guys go on together and continue doing the farm. So that's equity, which is shareholding, and land ownership, which is actual the actual land that somebody else owned it with you, thirty percent, forty percent, whatever the number is. Um currently, according to the Agri-BE, the number is 40% of either land or or equity is the the, the minimum, the sub-minimum requirement in order to, to tick that box of, of ownership. So let's say that you do decide to do a BE deal of some sort and you want to work on your scorecard. It's not going to happen overnight. I need to warn you, right? We have verification agencies. You can go and, ch- and check your your verification every year. And you're not going to change everything in one year and become a level two or a level one contributor. It's very difficult to become a level one and level two. I told you this because a level one means that that company or your business is 100% black owned So obviously for most of you, that's not going to happen. You won't get a level one. And then a level two is also a little bit difficult to get because it has to be 51% um, black person owned for it to be considered a level two um, business. So again, for some of you, that might not be very practical and it's not something that you want to do. So you'll probably always end up at about a level three, level four, um, especially if you're not interested in changing anything in your ownership. What are the consequences if you don't comply? So if you choose that, listen, I'm not interested in this BE stuff, I'm happy to continue the way I've been continuing and I haven't had problems yet, so I'm not doing it. One problem with that that you will find um, as you go along is that anything that you want to do with the government or you need from the government, things like water rights, you want to apply for new water rights. So you come to me and you're like, legal Macy. I need new water rights. And I say to you, well, I've got a bit of a problem because you are really non-compliant at all, you know. Um, and they're not going to give you the new water rights if you don't work on your compliance. That's one of the issues. A lot of you need water if you want to expand. You cannot live on the same water unless you are saying that you're not interested in expanding your business and you're, you're quite happy. But things like water rights will be affected if you are not compliant. Things like, <clears throat> excuse me, things like grants also if you want some money from the land bank or the development bank or the bank itself and you and you want to to get some money from the government in terms of incentives and investment schemes and and all of that you want to be able to get them because you are not compliant so do you understand how it's important that in terms of expansion and making more money it's important to, to look at this compliance and see where you can sort of fit in and, and fix your scorecard a little bit in order to get more value and benefit from the, the programs that exist in the different sectors of government and, and the powers that they hold as government. So that's something that I think is very, very important. I think, you know, there's a way to show return on investment if one was to, to comply and do um, compliance in terms of PEE because at some point everybody wants to expand everybody needs new water rights for example so it's important to to really look at it from that point of view and not so much from the point of view of oh you know somebody's taking and it also obviously goes back to the you know what type of deal are you making what type of partner are you trying to get I know a lot of you choose then to partner up with your farm workers you've got one reliable guy that's worked with you for many many years and you say right okay i would rather work with him because i trust him and i know him and he knows my business he knows what we do here on our farm 100 that's the correct be partner to have however it's important also that you show value you know the best B E deals that i've seen is that somebody comes into into a deal with let's say a white farmer and there's money exchanged, you know. So if you have forty percent of your business, what is forty percent of your business worth? And this person must go and look for money and pay you for the forty percent. No one and there's nowhere where the legislation says that you have to give it for free. And there's there's nothing like that, that you must give anything for free. You have different sort of arrangements. Maybe that person doesn't have money to, to buy directly then you say to them okay but what skills do you bring to the party what are you going to do that's going to better my company better than what it is at the moment and you talk based on that do they have to work it off is it is it postponed you know they work the money off but remember what's important also is that that 40 must have a value so if you're gonna say to somebody right you don't have the money but you can work if you work here and you offer me your skills for the next 10 years you know you will have Paid me that forty percent by value of the skills exchange that we are now doing on this farm, then it must have a value. You can't just say, uh, you know, it's forty percent of this, but it's not. It doesn't have a number. You know, it must have a number so we all know what we're working at and what kind of deal is is happening. You can have different deals also. It doesn't have to be your land. You can have a BE deal based on your business and the land still belongs to you, but the business is where you've done the BE deal. You can do, um, I've seen these uh, these uh, employee schemes where, you know, a group of your employees own 40% of, of the business. I, I really caution against that because sometimes it's almost, it's not um, defined enough about what happens when that person dies, when the employee dies or you fire them or something happens. What happens to their shareholdership? If you hire new people, do they also come into the employment scheme? You know, things like that that really worry me about the employment scheme story. And I've seen that sometimes it just does not work um, in the long term. And it's something that one should be quite careful about and clear about. What is it that you're trying to achieve? Where are you going with this B deal if you're doing a B deal? and then you start making the decisions about who's the right partner which part of it are you doing are you doing ownership maybe you're not doing ownership you want to look at management control and make sure that all your senior management are are black people in order to comply with that um your skills development are you using the money to upskill people in relevant things you know there's no point in you saying you're upskilling people to learn how to do excel but that person is always going to be out on the farm in the field and he's never going to be in an office in, in front of a computer that's you know almost useless to do that exercise if you do your supply development you know being very deliberate about listen guys i'm very happy to give you the work just show me your be scorecard that's all you have to do with that make sure that they're compliant it means you're compliant to it automatically and it ticks the boxes like i said um today was just like an, an intro into be next week i want to delve down into the different elements and the different models that you find i'm going to start with the one that i know a lot of you are not comfortable with anyway i wouldn't be comfortable i don't want to to sell my business if i'm not ready to sell it to anybody but anyway next week we will be talking about ownership the different types of ownership models one can do within a BE deal and which one works the best and I'm, I'm going to try to give you examples of successful BEE um, transactions that have happened within the agricultural sector to show you that it can work it can make money for both parties and be very successful without you feeling like you've been cheated or um you're being forced and bullied into a thing and like i said doing it will open other doors for you in terms of the things that you know your department of water and sanitation are in control of like the water um things like grants and and loans from the department of agriculture your land banks of of the country because we all need to expand and grow our businesses thank you so much for your feedback on facebook and on instagram it's really really exciting to get to engage with some of you i love it when you ask questions and you email me wanting to know more things and uh, i will see you or rather talk to you next week thank you it's your legal buddha macy stay safe bye